Well, good morning, Redstone Church. Uh, it's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, we are in the very middle of a series that we have been calling Why We Gather. So in this series, we're focusing all on the foundations of the Sunday morning gathering. So we're asking questions like, why do I come to church every Sunday morning to sing songs, to hear from God's word? Why is it necessary for me to sit under the authority of God's word on a regular basis? These are the questions we in and week out that we've been talking about um, in the series. And so I encourage you, uh, if you have uh, been with us since mid-August when we started this series, please keep coming back. Uh, we're going to keep talking about some really, really important questions as it pertains to the why we gather. Questions like this. We're going to be talking about why we celebrate communion. Why do I have spiritual gifts? How can I serve? Why do we pray? Why should we grow? Why do I give my money? Why should I become a member? So these are really foundational questions, particular to this Sunday morning gathering, but also who we are as the people of God. So encourage you, continue to be a part of the series. I know for me personally, this has really challenged me to get behind the why of why do we do the things that we do? Why do we say the things that we say? More than the how or more than the when, but the why. And so as your community life pastor, it only makes sense for me to be teaching on the topic of community, right? So here we are this morning, excited to teach God's Word. Um, you know, it's interesting as I was thinking about this idea of community, even from a secular perspective, our little downtown in Johnson City is really going after it. I want you to think about this. Multiple places throughout our area in downtown Johnson City are gathering together, lots and lots of people for, uh, to partake in food and music and art and sports and other entertainment. Think about it here. Not that one. This one. Does anyone know what this is? Yeah, well, kind of Founders Park. King Commons Park. <laughs> King Commons Park. This is Fridays after five. So uh, if you found yourself um, a music lover this summer, um, you maybe found yourself in King Commons Park hanging out with hundreds and hundreds of Johnson City residents to hear great live music. And it was very sweaty, I might add. So very hot on those summer nights. Um, here we go, downtown farmer's market. Anyone like to go to the farmer's market in the summer, right? You can pick fresh flowers. You can get those delicious um, glazed donuts from Annie Ruth's. You all know what I'm talking about? And a lemonade. Um, uh, you can get pottery, purchase art. I mean, there are so many things that our little downtown market is doing just to gather people, to bring people together for the sake of community. Perhaps you prefer to watch the game on a big screen, and so you want to go to the coolest, newest uh, downtown restaurant uh, called Burger and Barrels. Anyone been there yet? I have not, but I've been wanting to try it. Um, so this is next to the train tracks, and if you don't think they want you to bring lots of people, they literally have a bright neon sign that says gather on it, right? Like this is the goal, that you would bring people into this space to gather in community. If you want to back up the bucks, uh, the 2021 SoCon champs, you can head to the William B. Green Junior Stadium and just holler and root for the blue and gold, right? With some crazy college students on a Saturday night. All of these things, right? We see just our community coming together to put their resources and their money and time and energy for the sake of gathering together in community. 
Think about it on a larger scale. Some of the most popular TV shows that we've had uh, from, from times past, but also present. MASH, Cheers, Friends, Seinfeld, Parenthood, This Is Us. When we think about this idea of um, something even larger than that, this massive thing that we call social media, right? An entire online world of multiple platforms that center on this need for connection, aka community. You may not partake of any of these things that I've talked about so far, but you have to see that you and I all have this drive within us. You and I all have this need for connection. We are all drawn toward community. But bigger and way more important than any of these things that I just mentioned, bigger than social events and entertainment, we know that God created us for one another. God is triune, which means that he is one God made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he exists in an eternal relationship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. And as a relational being who created us as relational beings, you and I are here for, yes, first and foremost, for God himself, but also for one another. You see, God didn't create Adam to be alone. Who did he give him? He gave him Eve, right? He gave him Eve as a helpmate. And so much so, the New Testament tells us this phrase, one another, occurs a hundred times. And 59 of those times are specific commands teaching us how, but also how not to love one another. So I'm not going to go into details on each of these passages. And I apologize, it's really tiny, but I tried to fit it on the same screen here. Let me read some of these to you. These are the one, some of the one another passages. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Look to the interests of one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. On and on and on. I could go example after example throughout the scriptures. God is deeply invested in this idea that we love one another. So much so that his son Jesus gave a really, really important command just days before he was going to go to the cross, knowing that he was about to be denied by two of his closest followers. Jesus said this to his disciples. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn here with me. John chapter 13. We're gonna be specifically reading verses 34 and 35, and it's also in your worship guide. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. With his eyes fixed on the cross, knowing that he would die and be resurrected and would eventually have to physically leave this earth, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
So if you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to write this down. I've got two main points. My first one is this. We are commanded to love one another. We are commanded to love one another. It's pretty clear from what Jesus said right here in this passage. And in Greek, the word for love is agape. It's the highest form of love, this particular love that Jesus is referring to. It's more than physical love. It's more than warm affection or friendship. It is sacrificial love. It is unconditional love. It is the unique nature of God's love. It's the same word that he uses in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that's not to say that the other types of love were somehow less significant, right, of eros or phileo love, but agape love brings some, some weight to this passage. Jesus is telling his followers, you and I, to love. That is the command. He says to love, show unconditional, show sacrificial love. To who? To one another. That's you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, he's referring to. And the Greek word here is alelone, and it's meant to be mutual. It's meant to be reciprocal. I love you, and you love me, and we are a happy family. I wasn't planning on saying that. that was, I love Barney as a kid. We love each other because we are commanded to, right? God has called us to love one another. But he also tells us how. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus' love here is the standard, all right? So don't miss this. There's no parable here for the disciples to uh, somehow figure out. There's not an illustration to wrap your mind around. He's not pointing to anyone or to anything else. Jesus is saying, look at me. Look at my example. Look at the way that I have lived my life. And I want you to model your life after me. His humble servanthood is the example to follow. Jesus says, just as I wash your feet, do so for one another. Just as I will soon sacrifice my life on the cross, willingly lay down your life for your brother. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Just as I have spoken the truth to you in love, do so to one another. Just as I saw the outcast and the sick and the lame and didn't walk away from them, but walked toward them, do so to one another. Just as I see that all people are created in the image of God, that they have the Imago Dei imprint on them, that they have dignity and value, so speak that to one another. Just as I have loved you, Jesus says, do so to one another. He goes on to say this, verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that amazing? All people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now notice what this text doesn't say. It doesn't say all people will know that you're my disciples if you attend church every Sunday or if you read your Bible daily, or if you've got some really fancy prayers to offer to God. He doesn't say any of that. He says that all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It almost sounds too simple, right? Like the world, you're telling me Jesus that the whole world is gonna know 
that we follow you because of the way that we love one another? Well, if you've been a Christian very long, to Debbie Dupree's point, it's not as easy as you think it is, <laughs> right? Like it is sometimes challenging to love one another. Like we are in that ketchup bottle together. Sometimes it's hard to get that ketchup out of the bottle, right? Like it is hard to love one another. And the reason is, is because we all have sin. You and I all have sin in our hearts. We have real brokenness in our lives. And this sin, it causes separation between our brother and sister. It causes division, it causes disunity. And our sinful hearts lead us to think some bad thoughts about each other, just to be really frank. Our sinful hearts cause us to say nasty things behind each other's backs, to not build each other up like the scriptures call us to, but to tear one another down. We are all capable of this. We all have this sinful tendency in our heart. We all have this tendency to push back on community and say, I've got what I need. I don't want you to mess with my life. I don't want to confess my sins to you. It's too messy. Or I don't want you in my church. You've got too much baggage. You're too complicated. I'm self-sufficient on my own. I don't need your words. Like we all have this in our heart. Call it pride, call it self-sufficiency, call it arrogance, whatever it is, it's called sin. And it separates us from our brother and sister in Christ and loving one another well. God knows our hearts. So much so that also throughout the scriptures, just as much as we see these commands to love one another, we also see the flip side of how not to want to love one another. And so these commands are given as well throughout scripture. Do not lie to one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Over and over again throughout the scriptures, particularly these passages, Paul and James are telling the church, say, listen, I know this sin is happening within our body. I know we are all capable of it because it's happening right here in this very moment. And as the people of God, as the people of God who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, and we have been reconciled to a holy God, but we have also been reconciled to one another. This is not how we ought to live. Jesus calls us to love one another. But in order for this to really happen, we've got to go back to the gospel. We have to go back to the truth of the gospel and what Christ has done for us. Aren't you so thankful that Christ died for our sins on the cross? that we could be reconciled to a holy God? Aren't you thankful that he was buried and that he rose again from the empty tomb, proving himself victorious over sin and death? Men and women, for us who are in Christ, who have placed our faith in him, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And we have received love and we have received grace and we have received mercy. 
And so this love that we have lavishly received from the Father, we can willingly, we can gladly, we can joyfully give this away to one another. We can love one another because he first loved us. For us to really love one another, we gotta be honest this morning because we've gotta look up first and foremost, who God is, what he's done for us. But we've gotta also look out at one another in the body. We've gotta quit being navel gazers, right? Only thinking about our own needs and our own problems and our own agendas. If we were actually going to live out this commandment that Jesus gave us, we've gotta get out of our bubble of comfort and just wait for others to come to us when we are commanded to go to each other, to see one another's needs as more important than our own, Philippians says, to be devoted to and to care for and to build up and comfort and encourage one another. All of those things cannot happen if we don't get out of the way, right? Like we are all selfish and prone to wonder. We all want to please ourselves and think about our own path. Let me just confess to you this morning, that's me. Like I'm the navel gazer, that's me. I am quick to put my needs before yours. I am quick to ask the question, what do I want? What do I care about? What is going to make me happy and satisfied and comfortable? My agenda is priority. Someone else can serve me. Someone else can be devoted to me. Just an open, honest confession with you this morning. And I don't know where your heart is, but I would dare to guess that you might struggle with these same things as well. I know I'm not alone in this. So here's my encouragement to us this morning. Let's repent. Let's recognize where we have fallen short of loving one another of this command that God has given us in his son, Jesus. And let's confess that to him. And let's turn from our sin and ask for forgiveness. So I know we don't normally pause during a sermon to do things like this, but we're actually gonna pause in this moment. And if you would say that is reflective of your heart to say, yeah, I put my needs above my brothers and sisters and say, I care far too much about myself than I do those around me. I get fixated on my needs and my worries and my plans more often than I should. I tend to see how this community can benefit me rather than me loving the community. If that's even just an ounce, even just a glimpse of your heart, will you just take that to the Lord right now in this moment? We're gonna pause just to pray silently on your own. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna to continue to move forward. Father, your word says that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So God, we just confess to you that somehow along the way we have forgotten this command to love one another as you have loved us. And we've allowed pride and selfishness and arrogance and self-sufficiency 
to creep into our hearts and not cause love for one another, but division, hostility. Would you forgive us for choosing ourselves, our own comfort, our own agenda over our brothers and sisters? God, we thank you for loving us even when we choose not to extend that to one another. We thank you for your great care and your compassion for us and that you really do want to use us to minister to one another. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Second truth I wanna share this morning is this. In community, we are both bringing one another to Jesus and being brought to Jesus. In community, we are both bringing one another to Jesus and being brought to Jesus. Um, With the time that I've left, I'd like to look at another passage. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter two. We're gonna be in verses one through five this morning. I think this passage really illustrates well what community looks like to love one another sacrificially and unconditionally. Mark chapter two, we're gonna start in verse one. It says this. And when he returned, this is Jesus, to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So news traveled quickly in Jesus' day. Word got around that he was in Capernaum, particularly this home that uh, Mark is referring to is likely Peter's house. Verse two, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So none of the gospels tell us how many were in the room at this time, but we know there was a lot. Uh, uh, Mark said in this passage, there was no more room. This was max capacity. It was a packed house. However, it would have been very normal in uh, Jewish custom for uh, a bunch of uninvited people to show up to hear a rabbi teach. This wasn't just any rabbi. This was Jesus Christ himself. This was Jesus who they had been hearing about his ministry of of preaching and of healing. And so they were just packed into this house to hear what he had to say. Verse three, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So um, for the sake of the illustration here, we're gonna call these four men community, all right? So literally this community of men picked up this paralyzed man. He's on a mat or a other word, in other words, a bed, all right? They pick him up, they've got four corners and they are literally physically bringing him to Jesus, all right? Don't miss this picture. Verse four, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Don't you love the Bible? (laughs) Like there's some crazy stories in the Bible. This is one of them, all right? I love, love, love this story. And I don't know about you, but if I'm one of these four men, this community, My first inclination is not gonna be, let's remove the roof to get this man to Jesus, right? Like, is there any other logical possible way to get this man to Jesus? Like, can we bulldoze through the crowd? Like, can we crowd surf him to Jesus? I mean, like, there's gotta be another logical way to get this man to Jesus. 
without demolishing Peter's roof, preferably. Nonetheless, these men remove the roof. Biblical scholars say that Middle Eastern roofs were made of four materials. They were made of grass, clay, clay tiles, and lath, which is like a thin, narrow strip of wood. So I don't know if they got a shovel in this moment and they just started digging, right, at this roof. Did they all just say one, two, three, stomp, and they just made a massive hole in the roof? We don't really know. But all that we know is that these men, this community had the audacity to remove the roof to get their friend to Jesus. Meanwhile, don't forget that Jesus is preaching during all this racket, right? Like imagine if this was happening right here, like you wouldn't be looking at me. You would be looking straight up at this gaping hole and a man being lowered down from the ceiling. That is what is happening while Jesus is preaching the word. Watch how Jesus responds in verse five. And when Jesus saw their faith, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Like, how do you see someone's faith? Like, I, I'm used to hearing about someone's faith, but seeing it feels like a whole nother story. And yet Jesus stopped his sermon in this moment because he saw the audacity of these men. He saw this community of men that said, I don't care what anyone thinks. I've just got to get my friend to Jesus type of faith. Jesus viewed the determined effort of this community of men as visible evidence of their faith and his power to heal the paralyzed man. Mother Teresa, uh, the Catholic nun that dedicated her life uh, to serving the least of these in the slums of Calcutta, she said this, faith in action is love and love in action is service. And that's what these men were doing right here in this moment. Their faith in Jesus, who he is, and his power to heal this man prompted them to do something so bold to act. And that act looked like love. And that love looked like serving him. And if you really stop and think about it, what this community of men did was pretty simple, right? All right, we have a friend here, he's paralyzed, he desperately needs Jesus and his healing power. Let's just take him to Jesus. I know the one who can heal you. But what Jesus, excuse me, what stood out to Jesus was their faith. It was their faith that he saw. They had this grit, this determination, this whatever it takes mentality to get my friend to Jesus. Here's my question for us this morning. Do we believe who Jesus, do we believe that Jesus is who he really says he is? Like, do we actually believe the words of scripture that tell us that he's our advocate, that he's the author and perfecter of our faith, that he's a good shepherd, that he's a brother and a friend, that he's a solid rock to stand upon? Do we actually believe that he's sovereign over all things? That he's the light of the world? He's the prince of peace? He's the hope of our salvation? Why am I asking that question? Because if we actually believe in Jesus and who he says he is, we will gladly usher our brother to him. We will gladly 
push through the crowds and knock down walls and perhaps even remove the roof to bring our brother to Jesus. And I want you to notice what this community of men did not do. They didn't look at their paralyzed friend and they say, you know, you should really get that checked out, man. Like, have you seen a doctor about this? Now, if I were in your shoes, here's what I would do about your condition. Like, they don't do any of that. They're not interested in giving away their words or their experiences or anything that they had to offer. They just knew that Jesus was in town and they're gonna do anything that it takes to get their friend to him. What would it look like for us as a community, us right here in this church, to say, I'm not the solution. I can't fix your problems. Don't put your hope on me. I'm going to fail you. I'm in desperate need of Jesus, just like you are. You know what? He is our source of comfort. He is our healer. He is our solid rock to stand upon. So let's go to him. Let's fix our eyes on him with all of our worries and anxieties and ailments and relationship issues and financial struggles and job losses and family difficulties. Let's take it to Jesus and let's do it together. And as we walk alongside of one another, let's lay it at the foot of the cross. Let's go to Jesus together. How might that change the way that we view loving one another? Here's the second part of this. Um, this is gonna sound like I'm, I'm contradicting a statement that I made earlier about getting your eyes off yourself and your own needs, but you've gotta see the bigger picture of community here. In community, we are bringing one another to Jesus, but we also, hear this, we also have to let others bring us to Jesus. Here's what I'm getting at. How does your sister in Christ know how to love you if you don't tell her what's going on? How does your brother in Christ know how to encourage you and build you up and pray for you if he doesn't know what's happening in your heart. Do you see that? Like we care for one another. We love one another. It's mutual. It's reciprocal. This isn't a one-sided relationship. And so as we are looking out for one another, let's do that. Let's bring one another to Jesus. But also we have to be willing to let others bring us to Jesus. And what does that require? That requires us to be vulnerable, right? Like that requires a sense of humility to say, I don't have it all together. I don't have the answers. I need help. We have to be transparent with one another. And that requires opening our mouths to allow healing and growth and victory over sin. We've got to allow others to bring us to Jesus as well. One way that we're seeking to do that, even right here in this context of Sunday morning, is uh, having prayer cards ongoing. And so uh, we're gonna continue to do that in the months ahead where we'll pass out prayer cards. And we'll just ask you, hey, how can men and women in this church, trusted men and women on the community care team, pray specifically for your needs? How can we intercede on behalf of you to bring you to Jesus? 
And I'll go ahead and forewarn you, when you fill out that card, one, they're gonna pray for you first and foremost. It's what they've been asked to do. But they might also be so bold to ask you to go to coffee or to get lunch sometime and say, hey, I wanna follow up with you on this. How are you doing? How can I continue to encourage you? And they might press in a little bit. That's not to be intimidating or to not fill out a prayer card, please do. They do that because they love you and they care about you and they want you to know Jesus better. Are you willing to let a brother or sister in on what is going on in your heart? I'm not talking about everyone in the church, but one or two trusted individuals that you allow to bring you to Jesus. Um, For just a moment, I'd like to invite a couple um, friends up here, Joe and Shelby Penny, uh, and Will and Maggie Dean, if y'all wanna go ahead and make your way up here. Um, I wanna give some space this morning to share a real experience, uh, something that just happened in the last few months. And um, this is just a a really practical way that they um, have sought to love one another. Uh, Because when we are living in this kind of community of loving one another, this also happens in really practical ways, all right? So it's not always super deep heart uh, level things where you're in tears and you're passing each other tissues. Like that happens in community, right? But oftentimes it happens in really simple and yet practical ways that we can bring one another to Jesus. And so for example, When you're sick, you get to tell your community, hey, I'm not feeling super well. And hopefully your community will come alongside of you and they're gonna show up at your front doorstep with some chicken noodle soup and some crackers, right? Or if you're struggling to pay rent for the month, you share that with your community. You let them know, hey, I'm really struggling. And Lord willing, they will be able to come alongside of you to help you and to care for you in this way. Or you've just had a terrible week at work and They take you to go get ice cream, right? To get your mind off of whatever it is that you're troubled by. This is what community does. And so being a community life pastor, I would be remiss if I did not talk about community groups. So I've invited the pennies um, and the deans up here um, just to share about uh, what um, happened just a couple months ago um, in their personal lives, um, just to see how uh, they they have sought to love one another. So um, I think there might be a mic over there. We'll start with um, the pennies. If you all will just share what was going on in your all's family and what trip you were about to embark on, some context. So we were scheduled to go on a trip to Honduras with Redstone for a week to 10 days. Um, We had our parents, so Joe's parents and my parents live in Knoxville. So we had scheduled Silas, our two-year-old son, to be with them. Um, for the whole time that we were gone. And so the Saturday afternoon before we left on early Tuesday morning, we got a call from Joe's parents that um, his dad was having health complications and that they didn't feel comfortable or in a position to watch Silas for the week. And then Sunday afternoon called my parents and their, so my stepmom is a caretaker for an older couple couple and um, she had just passed away and so they were not able (laughs) to care for Silas while we were gone and so this was Sunday before we left for Honduras on Tuesday morning and we were kind of like okay Lord are we not going on this trip what else 
can we do? Um, and so we just thought through people who we might would trust to care for Silas for a whole week, which for me personally, in my mind, I was like, this is a really big ask. I don't want to ask anyone to do this outside of like blood, family, even just like, I, I trust other people with Silas, but just like, that's too much. That's too much to ask for someone. Um, so we, I'll let you share some of what happened next. <laughs> so we started making some calls. Um, we knew the people in our community group really well. Um, and some people who came to mind were the deans. The deans are in medical school and uh, they made the mistake of telling us that they didn't have anything going on during the summer. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were just completely free. And um, so I, I made the call and I remember where I was sitting on my front porch thinking, there's no way, like they've met Silas. They know what, what he's like. Um, this, is, this is a long time, just them and him, and, and we're not gonna be anywhere to be able to help them out or really provide quick answers being in Honduras. Um, but we called them and uh, pretty quickly, Will on the phone just really easily said, yeah, yeah, that sounds fine. Uh, I, think, I think that'll work. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll probably talk to Maggie first, but, <laughs> but I, I don't think it'll be a problem. That's, That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, all week long, uh, y'all hung out with Silas and, um, and the Willifords took him for a couple days as well. Um, and we just had a lot of peace about it. Uh, where, where before, the last couple days before we left for Honduras, there was so much anxiety of, you know, how it, are they going to be able to care for him well? Is, is he going to ruin their lives? <laughs> um, and, you know, just for their sake, for his sake, for our sake, there was just a lot of moving parts that we weren't quite sure about. Um, but while we were in Honduras, the Lord just gave us so much peace. Uh, we were able to talk on the phone a couple times, um, and it, it just went really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one thing that Joe said that I want to just emphasize is parents couldn't do it. Parents couldn't do it. Look at our list. Who do we pivot to? They pivoted to who? To community, right? The people who have said, hey, these people have loved us well. And you guys had, didn't even know the deans super long, right? Like maybe a year, right? Not even, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a responsible decision, right? They're a middle school school, responsible people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But notice they pivoted to community, right? People who they said, hey, they will step in and love me. They will love my kid in this really practical way. So um, uh, we're going to pass off the mic uh, to the deans as well. So I wanted the, uh, the pennies to share just, hey, we're in this vulnerable spot here, right? Like we're in a tight, we've got about a 48 hour window to figure out who to dish our kid off to for a week and a half, something like that. And they pivoted towards community. And so for the deans, how was this experience for you all? Just thinking about it, just processing it, and then also the experience with Silas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we were probably uh, a couple names down the list before uh, they reached us, but very glad <laughs> they called. I think it's, to me, kind of like what Debbie was saying this morning, you get to that point where somebody can just come into your fridge and take what they need. In community, when you get to the point where someone's willing to step out and ask, that's, it is a big ask. Like, we had a blast with Silas. It really was the perfect time in our lives to be able to step into that and just spend time with him. And, it, and we really did have a fun time. But just Joe and Shelby feeling comfortable asking us 
made us feel very welcome and part of the community. And we've seen it time and time again in Redstone, and we've been on the receiving end of that. Like, this is a very powerful, breathing, just life-giving community, and being able to be a part of that, I think, was huge for both of us. Um, yeah, I think it was also great to just see how God provided the very perfect time, because any other time in the year, I mean, we would have, we would have had to say no. We just couldn't have probably had a two-year-old, um, unless you're Chris and Christina and just have kids second year of med school. But um, we, you know, it was, it was really a joy to be able to um, kind of just jump in to the living, breathing, walking, serving body of Christ. Um, and we see that. That's one of the first things that drew us to Redstone is seeing how everyone is so willing to just um, sacrifice their time and their resources and their gifts. And I could just list names, but um, there is something really powerful and joyful and just mysterious about getting out of the way and letting the Holy Spirit act and work and make these members into a body that comes alive. And I'll add to the last thing that I thought was really cool with the whole experience and what Jeremiah already kind of talked about a little bit with they will know you by your love for one another. Um, we just had a couple friends from school like reach out during that week like, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to go do this? And just even saying like, well, we have a two-year-old for the week. Like, can we, you know, we'll figure something out. Y'all can come over here. And, and people are baffled by that. And for us, kind of growing up in church and being around Redstone for so long, it kind of felt like second nature. Like, I think anyone would have stepped up, you know? Um, but people on the outside, I think, really do recognize that, and then they see it as like something's different here. This would not happen in a day-to-day -day life for them. So that was cool just to be able to experience that a little bit, um, and I think that happens all the time. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, and it took boldness on both of their parts, right, to uh, give out this invitation, but also to receive this invitation. But think about... Uh, this wouldn't have happened, right? If they wouldn't have been so bold to say, hey, will you watch my kid, right, for 10 days? Or, yeah, I'd love to. And what you're hearing them saying is, yeah, it was a gift. It was a gift to love one another in this way. It was a gift and a joy to watch Silas and to come alongside of each other in this way. So I wanted to share that with you all um, because this really does happen within our body often. Like, I was going to the park the other day and I invited a couple families and ended up at the Savias' house and they were watching two families, kids. Like, I'm just like, what's happening right now? But this stuff happens all the time within our body. And so I just want to say to you all how encouraged just in the six weeks that I've been here, right? Just to see you all love one another in this way is, is really remarkable. So guys, give it up for the deans and the pennies. I'm gonna finish here, because I am quickly running out of time. But if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write some of these uh, questions down. And I think my clicker just died. So um, I'll repeat the questions for you. Um, these are some questions that I'd like for you to consider um, in light of what you've heard this morning, um, just for you to process. If, that's, if you're a journaler, to journal. If you need to process this with a spouse or even your community group, I'd encourage you to do so. Here's the first one. Am I actively participating in a Christ-centered community that loves one another? Am I actively participating in a Christ-centered community that loves one another? This sounds like a given, but I don't want to feed into the assumption that every person in this room has men and women in their life who are continually pointing them to the gospel. 
this Sunday morning is, this uh, Sunday morning gathering is so important because we as the people of God, we come together week after week after week to corporately fix our eyes on Jesus, who he is, what he has done for us through the cross and through the resurrection. And collectively, we as the body of Christ are here to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, to live out the gospel. And here's the, 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 maybe the greater underlier of this question is this, you can't do this alone. You cannot do this life alone. You will try and you will struggle because what the enemy wants to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so how he's gonna do that is he's gonna isolate you away from people, away from encouragement, away from accountability, the most life-giving things that we all need, right? So be in community. If you're not actively participating in a Christ-centered community, make this the month, make this the week, make this the day. You come to Redstone on the lawn tonight. You get in a community group. We'd love for you to get plugged into one of those. They meet on Mondays and Wednesday nights throughout the semester. Um, it's a blessing to do community with one another. If you have or questions about community groups, please come talk to me. Please fill out a uh, connect card. We'd love to invite you to one of those. Number two, is there someone in our church body that God is leading me to reach out to and love this week? Is there someone in our church body that God is leading me to reach out to and love this week? At Redstone on the Lawn tonight, do you need to pull someone aside and say, hey, you've been on my mind lately. I've been praying for you or I wanted to ask you this question or follow up and how can I support you in this season? If there's someone that comes to your mind even now, please reach out to them and love them this week. Number three, Am I allowing my brothers and sisters in Christ to love me well? Is there something that I'm hiding or withholding to not let others in? Am I allowing my brothers and sisters in Christ to love me well? Is there something that I'm hiding or withholding to not let others in? You can be honest with the Lord this morning. He already knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. If there is something that you're hiding or withholding from a trusted brother and sister in Christ, please share that with them. There is freedom that happens. We just openly, honestly confess to one another that we share what's going on in our heart. Don't let the enemy steal an opportunity from your brother or sister in Christ to love you well. There's too much that hangs in the balance. I'll end with the scripture that we started with. A new command I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us. God, we couldn't even begin to fathom this agape love that is sacrificial, that is unconditional. Um, if it wasn't for you and sending your son Jesus to the cross for us. God, we thank you for the gift of one another. As challenging and as messy um, as community can be, as we've said, it is such a gift to have one another, to have the opportunity to love one another. Would you find us faithful to do so? 
not in our own power, but in the strength that you provide. Would you give us eyes to see the needs around us and compassionate hearts, not just, just to see the needs, but to step in and to meet those. God, in all of these things, we wanna bring one another closer to Jesus. He is our hope and our firm foundation. And so we thank you for the good news of the gospel and that we have the ability, the capacity to love one another because you have first loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.